Welcome to Snakes and Otters, a pointless discussion of eternal questions. Get ready, we're about to live in your head rent-free. Hello, Otterites. This is episode 192. I am Martin. And I'm Robert. And I'm Francis. So this episode is Audacity. Not the software. Not the software. Which Aud- we love. Yes. Uh, what is the line from the from uh, the Patton movie? That's right, which is Frederick the Great, which is uh, in French, but it's essentially, you know, be bold, yes. be audacious. Aud- always, uh, always audacity. That's exactly right. Yeah. So we want to talk about some of the episodes in the American Revolution. Yes, because this is the American Revolution, year of the revolution. So that, yes, and it's our revolution series uh, that we're doing. So we did seeds, and this time we want to talk about those bold moves because again you think about here's this kind of loose knit of colonies taking on the number one military power on the planet imperial power too yeah these guys got a lot of resources a lot of resources and they know what they're doing yes as monty python would say as empires go this is the big one well, you know, it's the whole idea that they would, you know, we have, Martin here has some very specific episodes of, of the revolution that he wants to talk about. As I said in the show prep, yeah, after he gave us our assignments, yes, we could do that, or we could just go off on tangents on our own. <laughs> which, we'll, but, it's which we could. We, <laughs> you guys know us. We probably will. But this whole thing, this whole concept, I yes. mean, you know, the entire revolution Yes. Is an exercise in audacity. Yeah, it's who do you guys think you are kind of deal of these printers and farmers, farmers and shopkeepers, yeah, lawyers, men, brewers. Yeah. I mean anybody. And, and just going, All right, fine, we're independent. You know, kiss our incredibly wide American asses. Yeah. Well, you know, I think that's one of the things that um, people forget or just don't understand about the American character. This has been the American character from the very beginning. Yeah. You know, the country was settled by people who were tired of the BS. You know, you could say they were as, you know, uh, Francis was calling me a grumpy old man at at breakfast this morning because of my uh, dislike of American cheese. Which is a whole nother topic. Yeah, let's not go. I I think, yeah, that's going to be a blog post. Yeah, that'll probably be a blog post. uh, Or Hoopajoo. And... You could make the argument that the entire country was settled by a bunch of grumpy old men yeah. in that in that respect. Yeah, yeah. we covered that. It's it's a whole country of misfits, right? Malcontents, malcontents, guys who already were at at odds with the crown, and you you know they're all over here together now. What did you think was going to happen? Right. Yeah. And well, it's they're not, also they're also the iron sharpens iron because this was place was a wilderness. It yeah. was they exactly. Had to, they had to carve out. Uh, their own living and civilization with essentially no help. Right. I mean, yeah, yes, there was, there, there was, was oversight here and there, and there were there were soldiers here, but that's about it. So Everything else, they're left to themselves. You take all of that, you know, these people who are not just the grumpy and the malcontent, but people who are are, are just not built for the very structured and stratified society yeah. of Europe. Yes. So it, they're not just they're not all political. Uh, refugees, for lack of a better word, you know, they're people who could have fit in. Just it wasn't for them, you know. They're the people like my ancestors who came here. Almost every single one of them, uh, like many people's ancestors, they moved around a lot. It was almost a genetic thing where they just 
couldn't be satisfied where they were for more than a little bit of time. And that's how the country expanded. Yeah. And you take all of that, and that's what the, I think the Europeans never understood, was that essential difference in character. Europe was about the status quo. Very much. Everywhere, not just England. You didn't move around, you didn't ask questions, you did what right. the king said, and that was it. And that was it. Some of that translated over, though. Uh, and uh, in, for, for my ancestors coming into Maryland, they were very much that way. They had they had lived in the same Lancashire 20-mile uh, area for probably six, eight generations. They came over here, they all stayed here in that same area for mm-hmm. another 150 well, years. Because yeah. there are religious reasons for There are that. religious reasons for There's it. a ghettoization that they needed yeah. to do for protection. Because across the river in Virginia, there are those Protestants that don't like us. Exactly. So that's a little bit different. It is, yeah. There, uh, like I said, there's a complexity but, here, but there's also uh, that universality you're talking about here. Both, all of those car- folks needed to find a place where they could live in peace. And this provided that. Yeah. yeah. For all of us. Well, relative peace. Relative I mean, peace, yeah. Because, I mean, you think about it. You know, there's lots of conflicts with the natives who are already here. That's correct. Up. There it, was no real eventually that, peace as Europe thinks of it. Right. Because eventually that, by the time of the revolution anyway, yes. in the colonies, everybody's at peace with each other. Right. I mean, Eastern the Native Seaboard Americans is, that are still here are generally peaceful with the, with the, the white settlers. Right. It was actually, you know, it was only the war, the two wars that broke a lot of that. Right. And, you know, the, the, the ones who were here, primarily those who were more belligerent, were on the western side of the Appalachians. Well, that's right. Exactly. You know, that's where the uh, uh, French and Indian War, you know, the, that part of uh, the Seven Years' War took place over there, not in the rest of the colonies. But it, I just don't think it's, it's easy even for modern Americans to really get the revolution without understanding the... the these core things. Mm-hmm. It was built by people who were audacious yeah. from the very beginning. Yeah. And it's part and parcel of the American DNA. You know, this whole idea, it didn't come into, into play until later as a term, but this whole idea of American exceptionalism, exceptionalism it's built on this. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, uh, yeah well, the, the great line in the movie, uh, The Lion in Winter, that Melius, John Melius, one of our guys, wrote... It talks. It's in the mouth of Teddy Roosevelt, played by Brian Keith. But you know, the, the world will never love us. We have too much audacity, uh, and it's uh, they may fear us, uh, they may respect us, but they'll never love us. And that's very clear. Mm-hmm. He says we're well. A the French do every time the, the Germans come calling. But besides that, <laughs> besides that, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So you know that that is such an awesome introduction. Uh, that that really, we didn't plan any of that, listeners. We just I just let. Robert and Francis take off with it, and they did yeah, great. You know, it's awesome. You know, we, we're just for, fonts of fertility when it comes to ideas. Okay, thanks much. Right. Uh, but there are, as Robert hinted, a couple of specific instances that I think demonstrate this idea of the audacity of the revolution and what they were up against and what they did. And of course, the first one you you really got to start with is the Battle of Trenton. And if you've Absolutely. ever seen yeah. it online, anywhere these, you know, you can get by a t-shirt that says Americans will cross a frozen river at Christmas to kill you. We've done it before. Right. You know, right. Uh, I just, I love that meme. It's it's so humorous, but also so really right. Um, and, you know, it's even more than that. It's, 
the the army has been run out of New York. Yes. There, it's a, all the whole thing's on the verge of collapse. Even Washington is writing his cousin saying, "I think the game's pretty much up." Um, the Continental Congress has lost confidence in the army. The enlistments are almost up. It's winter. It's going to be brutal. And Washington comes up with this plan, this idea of we can score a win, we can boost morale, we can give the Continental Congress back confidence in this army as a fighting force, and we can get people to re-enlist. We can expand the army. And the plan was, I'm going to cross literally a frozen river, the Delaware River, back into New Jersey and attack the town of, uh, of Trenton with, and go up against this Hessian garrison of the town. River wasn't frozen, sorry. It was, it was a threat of freezing. That's what they were worried about. If it froze solid, the British could come over and kick their ass. That's the only thing that was yes. saving them. But it was, it was close to freezing. Yeah, and that's, it, it became were, impassable. They did have to leave some of the group behind. Some, yeah. of, the, some of the formations were not able to cross. But, uh, but Washington and the he hired people with boats. Yeah, I mean, to yeah every boat up and down that river. Yeah, that's right. the marble header, headers uh, is yes. what they were called. They were fishermen who who lived on this river. They knew you know all of it. Uh, in fact, they even have it where one of the, the head of that group uh, he was given while they were on the river. Washington said, "This man is in command of this army." Yes. During the crossing, no one can. Even myself, none of us can yes. contradict him yes. because they knew how to do it they safely. They knew the river. That's they right. Knew the river. Yeah. So we got about twenty four hundred men across thereabouts um, on and, Christmas night. Uh, yes, on Christmas night, uh, and and it's important to remember. Well, you say that, Christmas night. Let's make sure people understand that's Christmas Eve night. It's right the night of the twenty fourth. Because Christmas morning is when they attacked, wasn't it? Not the twenty sixth. It was twenty sixth. Was it? Okay. Check that out real quick, but I'm almost positive. Let's, let's find this day out. after Christmas is when they did it. All right. Could be. Well, uh, yes, I'm almost positive. It was Christmas because they'd already, because Christmas Day, the 25th, they they were all drinking and it's not faced. That was mm-hmm. the intention. That way they're all hung over on the 26th. Uh, and we'll get there, but that's kind of, yeah, maybe not. But yeah, yes, it's, it's the 26th. The morning of the 26th. Exactly. I sit corrected. But it is overnight of. Christmas overnight. Right. Well, that's right. Uh, yeah, that, that, that was, they crossed Christmas the Delaware. And so, again, the Hessians are a professional force. Right. right. These, These are mercenaries, mercenaries, professionals. Real deal mercenaries of the British Army, auxiliaries kind of. And they weren't drunk, but it was Christmas. Well, that's exactly I mean, it. Yeah. their guard was down. That's right. But they were, you're right. They did not find a bunch of besotted, you know, we expect to, you know, to find yeah. these guys just all hung over. They no, about, as a general rule. They partied hard, but, you know, discipline did not go away. Yeah. They, uh, they, they were at their posts. They captured about two-thirds of the force. Very quickly. And and the, the uh, officers in charge of the prisoners would later write, no, they, they weren't drunk. They weren't a mess. No. They, and they held their discipline. It's just, we whipped them. That's exactly we right. Beat them. They, we beat They simply did not, could not conceive that, A, that it would come when it did, or that we would even consider such a thing. Yeah. It's, right. Which well, is campaigning in the winter yeah. was a big no-no. Right. You know, when you think about it, when you're on foot and horseback, you have no protection from the elements. That's why people didn't campaign in the winter. Yeah. So yeah. this was audacious from the, from the very yeah. 
get-go. And dangerous. Uh, and dangerous. Yes. The, the, the conditions really were rough. Yeah. And they did not have Because it was bitter equipment. cold. Yeah. yeah. They just I did mean, not have the, 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 the garments, the boots, and all that to really... So, I mean, they... They hiked in crap shoes through the snow. Right. I mean, this wasn't Valley Forge conditions yet, but, you know, it was not... Damn close. It was not great. Yeah. And the whole idea that, that that Washington would even conceive of this is amazing. This shows that he was a far more brilliant commander to come than he had shown... Because his his military history prior to this really was not exactly spectacular. Yeah, and I mean, for the colonies, he was an accomplished officer. He was. But in comparison to British staff. Yeah. Howe or Gage. Yeah, or the Brian Wallace, my he's lord. He's learning yeah. his craft as he goes. And this, I think, is the first indication that he's really got a talent for yeah. it. Yeah. He's got, and what's really neat here is he's got a strategic goal. Yes. Because he can control part of New Jersey, prep for going back to New York. Again, raise confidence in the Continental Army with Congress, uh, increase enlistments, but also it's his plan. So the tactics that they used, mm-hmm. the, the crossing in the middle of the night, mm-hmm. where the artillery was going to be placed, all of that stuff, This was, it was Washington's plan. Yeah, yeah. Executed very well by his subordinates. Um, Some and, under and, protest. Yeah, because uh, Horatio Gates was definitely not, uh, you know, he thought he should have been in charge. That. All that, which would come later, yeah. was was still very, very much part but, of the issue. But Knox did yeah, his yeah. job very much so. Yes, and, and it's a it's a note that the loyalty that Washington could inspire in people who he believed in, right? And that's you know, of course, like you said, part of the friction. Gates thinks he should be the man and all that. Right. And, and I go back to, you know, first principle is that anybody who thinks they should be in charge is probably the last guy that should be in charge. Yeah. Right. The guy who campaigns for it. Yeah. Which so, is why we should never elect anybody who runs for anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and Gates is a complex character. I'll just say just a brief moment about him because he does, he does win at Saratoga, spectacularly so. Uh, and, I mean, he defeats Gentleman Johnny Burgoyne handily. Uh, and and brilliantly, so it's easy to dismiss him because of moments like here at, at at Trenton, and of course eventually when he gets literally run out of town, practically on a rail uh, from Georgia uh, or South Carolina. Yeah, that's that's kind of his claim to infamy, and also he's the one later who attempts to foment the military coup. Uh, right. He's he's the lead. Honestly, if he doesn't do that, his his place in history is probably a lot better. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Saratoga wipes a, a bit from him, but then again, it did for Arnold too. Yeah, and look how that ended. True. So neither of those guys are are are, are worth. And we'll talk about them in another episode. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. back to this. Uh, now Martin has next to him, seventeen seventy six by David McCullough. David McCullough, mm-hmm. excellent book. If you want to read about this campaign, this is the book yeah. to read. The late McCullough is it really truly one of the best covers. What is really an incredible year because there is nothing but defeat and running away from the not like run away, run away, kind of running, but you know, the defeat and retreat, defeat and retreat. The battles on Long Island in Queens, mm-hmm. they, yeah. they, they got whipped. Yeah, yeah. they, got, they got their asses. Yeah, kicked. that's correct. That's right, and that's and that's and that should have set the tone for the rest of the revolution. Thinking, well, and that's what the guys, British think. Yeah, yes. they, you, you, you know, we're up against a bunch of idiot farmers. That they had never seen real battle, and we'll we'll bring real battle to them, 
Yeah. It will will get their, you know. The original shock and awe, basically. That's exactly right. And and, and this was not an empty threat. Yeah, they were going to give them a serious bloody nose and run them off. And they're going to break. But the intention was, and this is one of the things that sort of hampers the British, uh, is the fact that they don't want to destroy us. They want to bring us back into the fold and reestablish right. trade with us. They want us to be their brothers and sisters. Well, no, they want us to be subjects. Well, there correct. is a difference. That is right. That is yes. right. It's yes. a, uh, yeah. But, you know, they, they want the empire to maintain its cohesion. Well, that and means that's, we, we provide... Right. No empire wants any part of it to rebel. Right. And no empire brings those far-flung lands into Parliament. We were never, ever going to be brothers and sisters. That's, so, yeah. and uh, in that from sense, the Roman, the Romans would have handled this very different. They would, yes. have, I mean, they would have destroyed, crucified half the place, and and brought order back. And this would have ended. The British were hampered because they didn't want to go that far. Well, they wanted the, a, a military defeat so we, they could establish. You know, okay, boys. You know, you've had the, your spanking. Come back in. But the Romans also, you know, to them, once you were conquered, you were Rome. You know, they they left centurions in those places to mix, to intermingle, and they became culturally Rome to a degree. Obviously, not entirely, because it, that's a fascinating way of putting that together. Because we had we already were Britain, right? And that's part and of yet the problem. We because weren't. we weren't because that's right. They were treating the colonies differently, and they were different. To be fair, they were different because you know there was there was landed gentry, but there were no nobles. Right. If they if they had placed nobles here and given them seats in Parliament, that would have taken almost all of the steam out of the sails. You know, if they had set up yeah. something like that from the beginning, but that would have meant diluting the power of those who were already in. It power, would have, and that's why it never happened. But it ultimately was the thing that starts the end of the empire. Right, because yeah. there's no we where in in the case of Rome, it had all these nice things that you've never seen before. Yes. Uh, so we want to be part of Rome, and we want to become Roman and have all these great things. We already have our own nice things. Thank you very much. As Americans, we don't need to become more British. We already right. are British, and we've had enough of that. Right, but we're not allowed to be British. Is that yeah exactly? Yeah. You know, so it's, uh, it's, yeah, we're not. We're being exploited. Would have been the idea. Yes, and, and they I mean, were. They and were that's, the point of, that's the point of empire is economic exploitation. Absolutely, you're going to trade. You're going to trade only with us. We need all that timber. We need that tobacco. You don't get to sell it to the Dutch or the French or anybody else. Oh, and by the way, you don't get a say in any of this. Right, and we're going to tax yeah, you we, some we, extra we, because we are, yeah, you, you know, are you are subjects. Actually, worse than subjects. Yeah. You are, in many respects, objects because uh, subjects have some rights yeah. within the British Empire. Well, there were some rights within the within Especially the system. The yeah, but again, because of the lack of say, and, and that's the thing. You know, Americans were used to controlling their own destiny because they built everything from scratch. Yeah, yeah. And, and had their own laws. Yeah. And to you know, once you get to the point where the where the, the, the British are realizing, you know what? We got a pretty good thing over there. We need to start tapping some of that. And that's where the problem comes in. And this whole thing about seventeen seventy six sexual metaphor, Robert. Thank you. Appreciate that. <laughs> I was waiting to see if anybody was gonna touch that. Oh another one. Another one. Uh but, Marcus Aurelius can do that. Yes, he Leave can that do that to him. Uh, but this whole idea, you know, seventeen seventy six, 
the thing about the book that's so great, you know, it shows that defeat retreat, defeat retreat, because it's the Americans trying to fight the British like the British. And that's not a winning proposition. And that's what I love about Trenton, is that Washington comes up with the, the methods that allow the Americans to have victories. Now, obviously, there are times when armies are going to have to go at each other toe-to-toe. Oh, yeah. That's unavoidable. But he has shown that the guerrilla tactics, the, the, the British do not have, know how to deal with. That's not how wars are fought in Europe. They form up in squares, shoulder-to-shoulder, and they fire their weapons. That is not... And, of course, now... You know, with firearms, it, this is a point in time when, you know, you're lucky if you hit the broadside of a barn at anything past 75 to 100 yards. Yeah, there's smoothbore muskets most of the time. Yeah. At 50 yards, if you hit the, a barn wall, there you're doing something. So, so, so it's meant to be massed volleys. Right. So because of that, you know, you have to get close. So, And, of course, you only have time for so many shots. So, yeah, there's going to be yeah. uh, hand-to-hand combat after that. Yeah. And... In this campaign to to take the war to the the British and the Hessians on Christmas, it's none of that. This is it, it's almost a modern Normandy style yeah. attack. It, it was street fighting. Yeah, it was in the in the streets. Uh, they were quartered in the houses and had to rush out of the houses and form up. And oh, guess what? The Americans are already here. Right. While they're trying to trouble. form up, yeah, they're being shot. Yeah. Right. And, you know, yeah. this is not an inconsiderable uh, factor because the British, they're trained to fight one way and one way only. Yeah, which was which was absolutely devastating on the field of battle. It yeah. was. When you, when you have disciplined troops a, that know how to field. load, that you can load three three rounds a minute, uh, it's absolutely, you can't stand against it. Right. Uh, and that's which... Uh, well, all the, the Patriot movie, uh, Mel Gibson talks about that, at the, you know, the, the last battle, uh, not the very last battle, but... Uh, well, yeah, uh, Calpens uh, is the one that they, that they show. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're talking about how they have the militia in the center of the line. Yeah. And, you know, uh, the militia ha- are supposed to stand for two shots. Yeah. And they talk about, well, you know, that's an awful long time against Reagan's. Well, that's why we're not asking you to stand for three. That's right, because yeah. they're going to give you three. Yeah, just be lucky to get off too. Disciplined but, troops. Uh, the Sharp series goes really deep into that and how that that's the mark of of excellence. Yeah, uh, and and the British were were the were the best. They were the best in the world. Nobody could stand against that formation. So, so you don't let the formation happen. So you don't let the formation happen again. That's another yeah. factor in this audacity thing. They change the tactics to suit themselves. You know, the terrain is different than it is. It, the, you know, outside the the towns because. Barely any of them can be called cities in the, yeah. in the European sense. Yeah, and Trenton is a town. It's, it's like a town. place, really. Uh, you know, the terrain is nothing like... It's just be, because it's so heavily wooded, it goes on and on and on. It's not that Europe doesn't have woods, but when you're fighting around the towns, you know, it's far more developed in, in the 18th century sense than it is in the Americas. So there's more open fields to maneuver. And this uh, this is the brilliance I think of Trenton. Yeah, he it shows them, hey, we can win if we don't play their game every single time. Yeah, they would eventually over time learn that game and learn it. They had to, yes. They had to because you can't you you can you can avoid only so many of those. Shout out to uh, von Steuben. Well, that's correct. Who who came in and uh, and taught them what to do? Taught them well, and that was but that was the next year. 
Yes. If, yeah. That would be the next year. That, that he that he would came in and taught mm-hmm. them how to fight that and the and Washington's regulars, as they came to be known, were very very efficient by the time the war ended. Yeah. They could go toe to toe against. They could they could load three rounds a minute, and it's a it is a toe to toe slugging match. Yeah. So that's the Battle of Trenton. Again, a, a river crossing overnight to hit Germans the day after Christmas. Uh, and then the British right in the morning. Yeah, yeah, I mean it's not it's it's Hessians and British, but minimal losses. Yes, I mean minimal. this was it was you know a, a total victory. Yeah. I mean there is it just cannot be understated the the magnitude both morally as well as manpower wise. I do want to make sh- make sure we uh, we lay this out. Trenton was not an isolated incident. Uh, the audacity continued uh, because Washington would take this momentum that he builds here. Yes, this he doesn't. Not the, just, he does not go back. He no. goes forward and yeah. takes Princeton just a few weeks later, yeah, right. which was same type of tactics. Thinking, what you're moving forward? You're, it's very. It's very Grant. You know, yeah. even if you can, even whether you win or you lose, you're moving forward towards your objective. And he takes Princeton, which is often. Sh- subsumed in the, the Trenton campaign. They're sort of kind of the same thing. But it was a much bigger prize and much bigger odds because they're Absolutely. ready, sort of kind of. They, they, yeah, because by this time, news is out. That's right. And exactly. the Brits are like, okay, well, keep your eyes out. Keep your eyes out. That's yeah, exactly. just going to happen. And it did. And, yeah. and, and he wins Princeton very handily. So that, in many respects, it's one campaign yeah. that uh, that changed everything. Right. Yeah, and he's strategically, he's, he's controlling now a huge chunk of New Jersey, yeah. which then would give a base for operations in New York and so on. Exactly. Right. And, you know, this eases his supply situation greatly because anything the Brits have is now in American hands. That's right. He, he captured a ton of it. That's right. Yes. Especially at Princeton because it was one of it was one of the supply depots. That's one of the yeah, reasons right. he went there. Yep. So, yeah, it was, uh, it's fantastic. All right. Cool. So let's move on. Actually, we're moving backwards, believe moving, it or not. Uh, yes. But, um, chronologically speaking. Chronologically speaking. Yeah, but, I mean, when you start the story of Audacity, pretty much you got to start with yes, I know. crossing a frozen river at Christmas to kill you. Our CDO sometimes gets in the way when we're talking about going non-chronologically, <laughs> but go with it, folks. We're going to be okay yes. with this. We're going to go so, backwards. Yes, to the, the battle, yeah, uh, the battle of Ticonderoga, which was really not a battle. It was kind of, uh, it was even more of an audacious, uh, audacious moment, because uh, it, it's a whole year and a half earlier. This is May uh, of seventeen seventy five, and even we haven't declared, you know, uh, anywhere near the idea of independence at this point. Uh, and and you know, Washington is not in charge. There's no standing army here, but. We have figured out during this time, and this is basically, uh, it was, it, Fort Ticonderoga was, it's a freaking mountain fortress uh, that was part, it's, it's in southern Quebec, for goodness sakes, not even Americans, uh, on American uh, soil as we know it today, but it was heavily fortified, left over from the French and Indian Wars when it was, when it's done, and they get the idea that because they know that it is so heavily fortified and there's hardly anybody there. It's just the 26th Regiment of Foot, a small detachment, you know, two officers and 46 men. Well, they figure this out and they decide, let's go up there and take their all their cannons because they had state-of-the-art cannons that Washington and, and the Continentals desperately needed at this yeah. point. Well, now you see now. No, not Washington's not there. Sorry, I'm yeah, Well, no, no, no. You're, well, 
All right, never mind. Go ahead. Just, never mind. Just go on. Yeah. I don't think I'm going to have anything to talk about because they're already talking about the cannons, but all right. Whatever. No, go ahead. You know, no, you, no, no, no. You're, I thought he was doing Ethan Allen, not the, 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 the cannons, but all right. Well, yeah, that's the reason Allen went. Well, it's, yeah. it's, it's to, they, they, that's, that's the whole strategic point. Ethan Allen said, and his Green Mountain boy says, I can do this. I can go up there and I can take this uh, with my with my men. And mm-hmm. which is, you know, there's not that many of them uh, that they went out. Uh, and uh, they literally uh, worked their way through uh, 50 miles to the north uh, with Benedict Arnold, of all things, joined up with them. Uh, with no official sanction, by the way. This is just kind of they thought it up and did it, which goes to the audacity of this. Because mm-hmm. there's really not a centralized government at this point. This is you know this is May seventeen seventy five, so it was kind of like we're already thinking ahead strategically that why don't we go get this? It's an easy picking if you can get there, uh, which is what is literally what they did. A uh, hundred Green Mountain boys and forty men, uh, additional men, uh, that that went that went war- forth with. Uh, Allen was the colonel, and uh, Seth Warner was, uh, and Easton was his uh, lieutenant. They fought their way basically through all the wilderness and snuck up on them on May the 9th and uh, got just basically walked in. Hi, we're here. We're taking all your guns. Thank you very much. And, and captured it essentially without a shot. And they took those, thanks to Henry Knox. They took those. This is this is the next year, by the way, because uh, Fort Ticonderoga had was held until much later. The British eventually would take it back, but not until all the guns had been moved by sled, mind you, over the snow at this time in the winter of seventeen seventy six. Uh, on well, that, and that's what we want to talk about next. No, no, not like I said. I told him go on. He's doing the guns, so you can't do the guns and not do the whole thing. Well, I can leave it and let you guys no, no, pick no, it no, up. No, 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 Because essentially, that's what it was. That's what those guns were used for. Right. Was to uh, scare the snot out of the British into leaving uh, New York Harbor. Right. They were. They were uh, Boston Harbor. Boston Harbor. Exactly. They were placed on the Dorchester Heights above Boston. Right. Um. So it, the action is is interesting, but talk some more about Ethan Allen. Give me some more about him. His is his plan. It's his idea. He's not like you said. He's not being directed somewhere. He's like, hey, you know what? We know where this fort is. We know nobody's up there except a handful of guys. Let's go grab it. Well, that's that's that is exactly it. I mean, Alan was. Uh, he's one of the most. He's he's a larger than life personality. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, very. I mean, audacity was exactly who he. You know, was pretty much who he was. Uh, he and Arnold, of course, didn't get along very well, but of course, no, Arnold got along essentially with nobody. So, uh, uh, he thought his almost said the dirty word there didn't stink, but uh, go for it, go uh, for it. That's right. But uh, Alan was was an amazing uh, personality. Uh, he uh, he lives until seventeen eighty nine. Uh, and a, a patriot, he's known uh, as one of the founders of Vermont, <laughs> of all things. Uh, and he's also the one that, if you remember the movie Lincoln, uh, Lincoln tells the story 
about how Alan, after the war, goes over to England and they have a picture of George Washington sitting in their lavatory because they think it's you know so funny. To, mm-hmm. And he says, well, of course you're going to put it in there. Uh, nothing makes an Englishman shit quicker than the sight of George Washington. <laughs> that's, 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 he's credited with that story, uh, which yeah. I, I had to get, at, which uh, Daniel Day-Lewis does a great job of telling mm-hmm. in the movie Lincoln. You'd think there's no place for it, but if it's absolutely perfectly well there, uh, especially when uh, Edwin Stanton says, not that story again, no, 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 don't tell that story again, even though he does. Uh, but uh, anyway, I get, off the, I get off the track. Well, uh, so let's, let's then move from there. To a bourbon break. To a bourbon break. That's an excellent idea, uh, Robert. Uh, that's a good that's Oh, a technically good it's not break. a bourbon break today. Yes, today is an American whiskey break for, for this episode. Um, we uh, are trying... Wadi Boone and Sons American Whiskey. Uh, so, Francis, give us a little bit about that. Well, Wadi Boone, Wadi is short for Walter, actually. Uh, and he is my, on my mother's side, my great, 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 great grandfather. Uh, me and just about everybody else in Nelson County with it, uh, has any Boone blood in them, and that's about half of us. Uh, uh, it's, it's one of the most prolific names out there. My mother was a Boone. No relation to Daniel, I'll have to say that for our international listers or. Anyone yes. that's not in the area. He was a Pennsylvania Quaker. We were all Maryland Catholics. If there was a relation, it goes back prior to, back into the old country, as they say. But Waddy Boone was one of the original uh, uh, immigrants, uh, pioneers, as it were, mm-hmm. uh, from Maryland with that group uh, yes. that, of 25 uh, that came down and, and settled in the Nelson County area. Uh, and um, and became a distiller. And became became a distiller. Yeah, they all did that. I mean, uh, there's a his son John um, had a distillery across the Rolling Fork River in Larue County, near where Thomas during the time of Thomas Lincoln, and supposedly Abe Lincoln, as a young boy, worked at John Boone's distillery. Now, this is from an article uh, that was written around 1891. But mm-hmm. you can still read it that talked about how John Boone supposedly said that young boy Abe's going to be somebody someday, which of course is extremely apocryphal. Nevertheless, though they were they were neighbors, they were in that area. That's uh, the the Boone family was uh, uh, very much mixed in with the Lincolns. Uh, the Boones had been there, you know. They were original settlers from you know 1785. The Lincolns came later, yeah, uh, and, and didn't stick around. Uh, nevertheless, there's that uh, the connection with that, uh, through that area. And uh, I'm glad somebody has kind of taken that name and used that as uh, as this marvelous uh, uh, whiskey, yes. American whiskey is not, how it is. Not quite bourbon, but uh, we, don't, we don't know the mash bill. Um, it's got to be wheat-based as light as it is, though. Yeah, yeah. it's a very light color uh, compared to some of the others uh, that we've had in through here. Very, very smooth. Yeah, it, very it's smooth. smooth and mellow. Uh, has a, a seven-year age statement. And uh, says distilled in Tennessee, uh, but uh, apparently packaged in Nelson County. Right. That's, that's hence, the, hence the connection on that. Uh, and it's a gift to us, by the way, from our friend Maverick. Which, yes. yes we want to yes. So that was next. Uh, uh, want to acknowledge uh, last weekend we had quite the... Snakes and Otters Night Out. Yes, we did. Um, Frank Jr. accompanied Francis, and he, he was a, a great pal to have around. Indiana. I call him Indiana. You call him Indiana. Yeah. Okay. I was going to call him Frank Jr. No, no, no. And no since no. you're, you yeah, know. No, he's Indiana. Named after the dog. 
That's right. We need the dog. The dog. So, uh, but uh, Brett Maverick, not Pete Mitchell Maverick, but Brett Maverick, the riverboat gambler, uh, has his uh, farm there in in New Haven in Nelson County, and he invited us out for... Wonderful place. Oh, Oh, my gosh. gosh. That's right. Smoked meats and bourbon, and we had a whale of a time. And we drank quite a bit. I had more bourbon last weekend in that one day than I have ever had in any other time. Even when we have recorded five episodes in a day here... I have never had five bourbons. <laughs> we, uh, but we tasted five but separate he had, bourbons. Yeah, I mean, he had a this awesome shelf of bourbons to pick from. I can't even... We we tried... Uh, oh, uh, Austin Weller. Oh, right, we tried the Weller Antique 107. We yeah. tried the Wild Turkey Long Branch. We had Which some uh, Monk's Road 5th District Series. We that just, was actually at the uh, uh, the and, and the we had distillery. some there too. Yeah, because yeah, we went to the Monks Road Distillery. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So right. So after we uh, we, well, after I, we didn't have any bar, of that except at the distillery. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. So then we went to the, the brand new uh, Dant family owned uh, log still distillery uh, that's near Gethsemane. Uh, the and it's called Monks Road because it's literally on the road to the, the monastery. Monastery. Yeah, that's right. Um, which is a, an incredible facility. It's just a great atmosphere. Right. Well, I mean, it it's, it's a little bar there. It's where you know it's yeah. part of part of the, the the compound, I suppose you might call that. Yeah. And they have uh, they have concerts there. Uh, we got there before dark, so we could kind of see it a little yeah. bit, you know. And uh, and then you know the, the the bar was active. You know, we weren't the only ones there. Yeah. Any means, yeah. you know. So that was super fun. And then of course we ended our evening at the Sherwood. That's correct. The awesome, awesome Sherwood. Um, which I believe you said was under maybe some new ownership. But uh, well, the History Channel was not on the television. I think there were actually sports on the television. That's right. But it was still... It was a little disappointing, but it is, you know, tournament season. Yeah, so. it was still the Sherwood. It was yeah. still very Well, awesome. you know, uh, my, my aunt and her husband, uh, her, my uncle, uh, his family owns that uh, uh, and has. And according to them, when I talked to her... Oh, in recent days, they've turned over leasing of the. I don't know if they. I don't think they sold it. I think there's an agreement uh, with a restaurant tour in Bardstown uh, to actually take over management. So you've got a lot of folks in there uh, that, uh, are, that are running yeah. that. And they have a full kitchen and the restaurant's operating. Yes. So that way you you get a you get a full menu as well as the bar side. The two the two work together. And I'll say this: they've done a fantastic job uh, of that. The, they have a I actually have a waitress. You know, a wait staff. Yeah, that comes to you, which you know yeah. they never could do that before. It was just a family-run business. Yeah, uh, so it's kind of come a long way yeah. uh, to do that. We had some, you know, we all had snacks uh, at our table. We got in there yeah. and just, you know, uh, some appetizers, pretzels, yeah, pretzel stuff. And, yeah, and uh, it was oh, but of course the Sherwoods, you know, it's it's near mythical status, really. Uh, it, it is. is. I mean, it's, 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 it's been there. Place. You know, it's it's the, the building itself. You know, it's it's well over 150 years old. Yeah. Well, you know, and the snakes and otters that we are, you know, we are a wild and crazy bunch. We closed the joint down. We did, yes. They, they actually, at 11 p.m. At 11 p.m. That's right. Yeah. They, 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 <laughs> yeah. they, they kind of yeah. told us, yeah, we're... Ten minutes after we left, they were rolling up the sidewalks. <laughs> well, that's right. They kind of said, you know, we're ready to go home, guys. We don't want to rush you, but... You know, but they, get the hell out. Get yeah, out. Right. But that was okay, because we'd been in there for quite a while. It, it had been a, a quite a night. And again, uh, uh, he was... Uh, Indiana was quite the companion. Yes, he was. And uh, just a huge shout out to Maverick for his hospitality and his culinary well, could, skills. Yeah, because and, he he home he smoked that he smoked all that meat 
the day be- started the day before. And yeah, it was a huge amount of work. That's right, absolutely. It was all incredibly spare, wonderful. You know, the uh, potatoes, the corn, uh, everything. Spare was... ribs just melt off the bone. Uh, and then and the, the, the homemade sauce, which he shared with us. We're not allowed to speak of it though. Yes. We're not allowed to share it. Sorry, folks. Uh, if you if you want to, we can invite you over to the house and give you some to eat. Maybe we can't share the recipe. It's yeah. Just a thing. Uh, it's it, you know it's a secret. Yeah. It's a secret. Yeah. Secret. Yeah. Secret. So a huge shout out for his hospitality, and it was one of the most wonderful nights in recent years. It was, it was super it was. incredible. Yeah, we, yeah, we, we had, yeah, we got we got out there early and uh, and, and stayed late, and, and, uh, and I got to ride the pickup truck. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Like you, that. got to, you got to ride through that. Yeah, you guys. I, got I don't talk. get to ride pickup trucks, but that's right. Well, that's true. You got to talk guns. You got to buy one. That. Uh, yeah. Okay, skip a bit, brother. Let's move on. That's not going to happen. Yeah, yeah so we're talking shooting and fishing and smoking meats and writing and that's that's, that's true. We did like I tell you what, he's, he's kind got of a, a Renaissance man himself. So he's got a spot in the back of that place that uh, I would kill to have to write in. Just the yes. view is awesome. His little farmhouse is. Uh, Designed basically designed himself. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Took it to the took it to an architect to have it uh, laid out and uh, essentially laid it out the way he wanted it. And it's it's a uh, he's thinking about as he mentioned to us because you know he lives alone. He's thinking about maybe because he's got four and a half bedrooms there, uh, plus an unfinished upstairs. Plus an unfinished upstairs, yeah. which is mostly storage. It's uh, right. but he could finish. He, he could finish. If he wants to to make it into a writing retreat. You know, for writers to come and, and mm-hmm. you know and, and spend a weekend uh, or, or you know or four or five days. Uh, and just write, uh, and you know, get together with food and, and discussion, which is sort of what we did. Even we just didn't do the writing part, although we yep. so- certainly talked a lot about yep. that. I mean, it was almost a workshop uh, because we talked and and yep. um, and it's it just a wonderful time. And I, I can't say enough about the the wonderful hospitality and how much I appreciated. And uh, and it's it's, it's the just, first of many. Yeah, you know, we do this just again, amazing. Yeah. Just amazing. So it was great to great to spend time with Maverick. Absolutely. And and again, Indiana was quite the boon companion. Yes, he, he was. He did a yes. great job for a, a Gen Z uh, holding his own in conversation. Yes, exactly. Well, who do you think? And Paul he took did? a little gentle ribbing from the old guys and yeah, was no. fine with that. So. Yeah. Well, he didn't call any of us boomers, so, you know. There well, because he's smart enough to know that we're not. You know, come on. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Well, a lot of people his age would make that. That's right. They, that's they, that's they would just meld it in all in together. So. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. All right, so that was awesome, and uh, let's talk uh, Henry Knox. Uh, now we already talked about the the, the guns, so we're 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 gonna skip past that. Okay, because you know, like I said, but he, but right, he, he got assigned by Washington to drag the guns from Fort Ticonderoga all the way to Boston, and basically had to do it on a sled right. in the winter. And, so and, yeah. We're done now. And he figured it out, and he had no military training. He was just a guy. So you doing this for me? <laughs> That's a very polite way of saying shut the frack up and let the let the man work. As Tommy Jones would to slide in that he was a guy that worked in a bookstore. He was, yeah. He, he lost everything. They burned it during the siege of Boston. Yeah. And so just, yeah, and just figured it all out. So instead of talking about that, since we pretty much covered it, um, I have decided that uh, I want, let's talk about 1775 because okay. I call okay. this the year of audacity. Okay. There are several events in 1770. I mean, we could do an entire episode on it if we yes. really wanted to. Well, we already um, did. We did it on uh, 19, you know, 71. Why not? Yeah, really, really. Uh, so, you know, we leading up to this, you've got all the stuff. That it's, little, it's the organizing. You've got the Boston Massacre, the, the Boston Tea Party. You've got all of this stuff going on that's basically bringing everything to a boil. Right. 
1775, a lot of stuff really happens that crystallizes the direction we're going to go in. And that's why I call it the year of audacity. So in March, you've got Patrick Liberty, Patrick Henry's Liberty speech, you know, give me liberty or give me death. death. And, you know, that, I mean, that's such a great moment in American history. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, that's one of those, those moments that people crystallize around, you know, they, they see that and it's like, that's it. That's what we need to do. You know, that's the rallying cry. A soundbite before we even had recording right. technology. Isn't that something? Mm -hmm. We always are tied into that type of a... If you yes. can get the rhetoric down to a soundbite, we respond in great numbers. Right. I know not what course others may take, but as for me, give me liberty or give me... Death. Yeah. Every school child in America learns those words. Well, used to. Used well, to. they hear those words taught to them. Well, they used to. Used to. I don't think they hear, hear uh, that. I don't think it's anymore. been brought up anymore. Yeah. So that's, that's just March. I mean, literally, that's like... Uh, you know, the 23rd. So we're like, uh, you know, not quite a week away from the anniversary of that. Then just a few weeks later, you've got Paul Revere's ride when you've got the battles at Lexington and Concord. Now let's think about this for a minute. There's no formal army yet. There's no, you know, we're still getting organized here. This yeah. is pre-declaration. The Continental Congress is really just, there's been one. The second one, uh, if, if they've met, it's just the beginning. And so they find, so the British are like, you know, we got to put a, a stop to this. Yeah. And so we need to go capture the, the store of arms that the militia uses. You know, the, the, you know the, there are extra arms that are stored there, you know, because everybody's going to have their own gun, but you want your militia to have top-notch stuff. And that's what they've done. Yeah. So Concord. Yeah, it, Lexington and Concord, because it's two. Yes, but the, go ahead, continue, sorry. No, go ahead. That's the arms were stored in Concord. They went the, the British marched from Lexington to Concord, and then right. But I'm saying there's, there's there's two battles here Correct. that that are going on, and you know the whole idea that a bunch of guys are going to say, "Hey, the, there's 700 Brits that are you know uh, you know regulars that are going to go take that store of arms. They're going to take our guns." Now, of course, as any American knows, that's a rallying cry. Right. Take our guns. Yeah, yeah. I, I, word to the wise. The whole thing started over trying to take our guns away. That necessarily started, but it certainly was the flashpoint. Let's even put it that way. Yeah. Uh, and so about 70 Americans, colonists, they managed to basically drive them off. They're outnumbered almost 10 to 1. And they managed... With, a loss of eight Americans, and granted, they colonists, but you know, I like think Americans and British, even though at this time they're still all one thing. Yeah. And Paul Revere, he gets on the horse, you know, he doesn't do the whole British are coming, British are coming BS. It sounds a great story, but it's not, not reality. The regulars are coming were the words he would have right. used, yes. So he's, he does this, and he's only got 77 men that get together, and they, they hold them off. And they don't let the regulars seize these weapons. Outnumbered over uh, more than 10 to 1. Or no, a little less than 10 to 1, 9 to 1. And they manage to do it. That's audacious as hell. Well, yeah, I mean, they, that they, is something that... Mm -hmm. And on the march back, they literally decimate the, uh, the British as they're, as they're marching back to Lexington, supposedly to safety. And all these farmers are just picking them off. Right. Uh, along the way back. And I forget how long. I think it's like 10 or 12 miles. 
and it's uh, yeah, it's not far. Yeah, and it's it, it's just by amazing. Yeah, it, it's just amazing. But by foot, that would be about a three-hour march. That's right. And oh, easily, yeah. yeah and exactly. Well, and at night, it's probably... Uh, well, I don't know if it was night by the time they were marching back. But. I think that they arrived after dark, I believe, but it was during during the twilight hours yeah, when yeah. that happened. I forget the exact Now, day. at Concord, when they get there, you know, they are met by hundreds of militias. It's not just 77 guys that do all of this, yeah. but they're the ones who start it. And they give the other guys at Concord time to organize and to, to really to repulse them. And... You know, eventually the British are, uh, they're running low on ammo. Uh, you know, if it's the notes that I have say they're outnumbered, I don't know how, how much, but it couldn't have been by many because, uh, you know, if they had 700 to be outnumbered, that's that's practically everybody in a 20 mile radius. Well, probably. and that, but that, that's kind of the, the theory is that by that, but this time everybody else right. has, has had time to get there, right? They're coming different. from everywhere. Uh, yeah, this time you know I, the Brits lost two hundred and seventy-three to out of the total of Americans of ninety. There were set, there were eight out of the original seventy-seven that started, right. and then only ninety out of the the rest. Which, if they outnumber the British, you know that's still maybe ten percent losses. Which for battles of the day, that's pretty astounding. The British lost a third. That's right. Yeah, of their men, more than a third. So uh, to me, that's a very audacious. You know, basically a bunch of guys just got together and say, hey. Let's stop this. Yeah. There's no organization. There's no. There's no command. There's structure. no. I mean, there is because the militia shows up. So there's going to be some, but it's very minimal. These are not trained fighters. So I, I love this. Yeah, they are trained marksmen. They, they are should. trained marksmen. Yeah. Well, when you have to hunt for your food, you get good at shooting. Yeah. So yeah, they are. So that that's a huge thing. But the next thing that I think is really audacious, and I, this is the one that everybody knows. But they don't really understand, I think, because when you first under, hear about it, you know, because you always think the British are the ones that are attacking. But Boston was besieged by the Americans, not the British. Yeah, right? the British are in the town. British are in the town. They, that's not something that, yeah. that really most Americans, if they're even aware of uh, what's going on, that they would even think of. Because that's pretty audacious in and of itself. You have besieged the town that the regulars are in. And, you know, of course, Boston, it is the the, uh, uh, the birthplace of so much of what goes on mm-hmm. in the Revolution. That's where Adams is from, both Adams, Samuel as well as uh, John. Mm-hmm. And that's where so much of the early Revolution revolves around. You know, this is where Washington first really gets involved. He comes there. This mm-hmm. is where the guns are brought to. Mm-hmm. Right. You've got... Uh, you know the the battle at Bunker Hill, that that famous "Don't fire until you see the whites of their eyes." Yeah, Samuel Prescott. Uh, yeah. yeah, which is basically about twenty feet. <laughs> you know, right. you can get much beyond that. You don't see the whites of anybody's yeah, eyes. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it's, it was on top of each other. Right. Yeah, and it really were. was the first true organized battle against yes. the British. That's right. It was yes. huge. Bunker Hill was tremendous. Yeah, uh, it was actually done on Breed's Hill. Breed's Hill but, that's right. Yeah, it's, but it's for we, for whatever reason we call it Bunker's Hill. Uh, but it, it is, it, it's part of the American mythos now. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things, you know, because it was an audacious yeah. I mean, event. It, technically, they got beat, but... But they bled them. Yeah. They yes, bled the British. British it was bloody nose time. And, yeah. They just, they, and it, it was, had it they was, had more gunpowder and, and more ammunition, things may have, may have gone differently. That, that's one of those speculations that people talk about. Uh, but the fact that they resisted 
well for yeah, as long yeah, as they did. Yeah. That was all that was necessary. A close run thing. Yeah, a close run thing. It was. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, it was a toe to toe slugging match. The the Americans lost forty percent of the the men under their command, which you know it's not. We're not talking thousands and thousands of men because yeah. these are all small groups, but the fact that they this is the first time they had real organized resistance at an army level of of organization. That's right. The British could have, could have and had dismissed Lexington and Concord as well. That was just a popular uprising, but they really, you know, they they had advantages X, Y, and Z. That's not. They knew happen. the terrain. Again, they, yeah, yeah, all that. All Which, excuses. And all of that was true. It's all true. That's right. But it was so much more than that. That's right. right. They didn't realize the uh, uh, the the temper of the um, co- colonial the Americans had. Over, right. You know, this you know, is not Robin just a one in town. Robin Williams said it, you know, we're Americans, we're simple people. But piss us off and we'll bomb your cities. Or we'll besiege them. You know, yeah. uh, you know we'll cross a river, a frozen river in the dead of night to, to come and kill you. On Christmas. Uh, on Christmas. Uh, so this entire year, you know, and that really, that only takes you to June. Uh, but, you know, that first half of the year, it really solidifies what is to come. Yeah, we're in this now. There's no going back. Yeah. Yep. That's why I call it the year of audacity, because there's just one event after another. And, you know, you could go on. There's, you know, even into 76, there's stuff that, that uh, uh, we could it, talk it's about. It's sort there's, of the... Right, it's the milieu... I, he, there's his word. From which the people, the true believers, these initial true believers, yes. could then spread that belief out to those on the fence. Exactly. There are a lot of people like, oh, well, I don't think I want to get wrapped up in a freaking revolution, a rebellion, you know. Right. But then they said, you, you know what? I, this can work. Yeah. This can work. And, and there's reason that, for it, too, because, yeah, because... You know, they're you know, right. What they're, what they're what, putting yeah, out the here, British, is you know, right. The crown it really is tyrannical. Yeah. And that's what well, they, that was another piece that they it saw. It was tyrannical... By today's standards, probably by the standards of the day, not nearly so much as others. No. Well, I mean, you can make an argument that uh, that the American Revolution was not a just war in the sense that the harms that were put upon the Americans in the colonies did not justify the level of response. Now, that's a philosophical, uh, theological argument one could make. Now, obviously, as an American, you know, it's like, well, hell yes, it was a just war. Yeah, but well, and, and that was part of the the propaganda that was able to be made. You know, you've got to have something backing that. Mm-hmm. And Lexington and Concord and Bunker Hill uh, were were huge in that because yeah. now this is an organized resistance. Whereas before, even the Boston Tea Party and the Boston Massacre, right. well, that's it's, that's it's Boston. Just, that's Boston. They, yeah. the, the, they are, they're a city of malcontents. It's a hotbed of radicals. That's there. right, yeah. The yeah. Malcontents up there, they're, you know, leave us alone, let us go back to our business. And then you realize, wait a minute, they brought in the army, they killed how many? They tried to take their guns, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right, now, it's the real thing. This it's, is the it's, real it's, thing. Yeah, it's the real thing, yeah. And that's no small thing. You know, uh, people today, especially those who are anti-gun, are going to, it's like, well, can't seem to take their guns. They, they don't need their guns. I was like, well, no. If you're living on what is essentially the frontier, yes, Boston's a city, but it is still the frontier. You go five miles outside the city, and you're in the you know the woods. You are in uh, wild territory, for lack of a better word. You know, yeah, there are roads connecting everybody, but it is still 
a dangerous place. You need guns as part of your everyday life to feed your family and to protect yourself. So the whole idea that somebody would come and take those guns is a big deal. Yes. That is life-threatening in many ways. So, you know, that's no small thing to understand. It's harder for us to understand because, you know, we can just go down to Kroger's or Myers and we can get whatever we need. They didn't have that. You know, they didn't really have, I mean, you might have had a local bakery, but you wouldn't have had a local butcher shop because you would have done that yourself. You know? Well, right. I mean, there's the concept of a supermarket that doesn't exist. You went to the butcher, you went to the baker, you went to dry goods stores, and the butcher would have very limited. That's if you are very, urban. Very, that's yeah, that's urban. urban. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's and that's, that's big urban. That, that's yeah, smaller towns are Boston, probably, New York, Philadelphia type. You know, right. Charleston, that stuff. Yeah, that's any, about any, it. Any butcher that would have been in the smaller towns might have been the guy you would take your kills to. Uh huh. That would dress but, them for you and, and maybe, you, but you know, the smaller you were, you had to do all that yourself. And it would have been primarily probably a, a lot of pork. A lot of pork, yeah, a lot of deer. Meat. Yeah. Um, so if you wanted, you know, fresh meat for yourself, a lot of times you got it yourself. Exactly. And you didn't worry about if there was a butcher shop in town where you could buy sausages. Right. You made your own. You made your own. Made your yeah. Own. I, I, we did that as a, I, I did that as a child. I mean, it was, it was still part of our culture. Right. Uh, right. This is, you know, not, not that long ago. And, and there I know people who still do it today. Yeah, uh, hunters that do that—that's that's still part of being self-sufficient. Yeah, yeah. So you know, this whole thing starts out with this kind of you know, screw you. We are not going to take it anymore. You know, whether or not you want to argue whether they were you know, any worth whether you're not you want to sing the Twisted Sister song, that's up to you. Yes, uh, but it's it, it really, uh, it really this whole year just built. Yep. the the foundation. Yep. it really yep. did. The fact, you know, a lot of people think the, the revolution starts in 1776 with the Declaration. It does not. No, yeah. Yeah. That's just the legal uh, yeah. declaration. That's yeah. the, the, the culmination of the early events. Yes. Of Are we fighting to get recognized as British citizens or are we fighting for something else? And we decided we're it's fighting for something, something else. else. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, our and, own nation. Exactly. And, you know, this whole thing about, uh, we were talking about how, uh, you know, we had to convince others in the, the colonies. Uh, for us, you know, we think, well, okay, the, the American colonies, they were, they're united. They're not a united front. Oh, not at all. And really, when you think about the size of the country, I think even the British didn't really, even though they knew, but it wasn't really in their experience. You would have to fight from basically a campaign like Napoleon to get an idea of the scope geographically. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, because yeah. we just don't realize it. America is freaking huge compared to any single country except Russia in Europe. Right. And, you know, we're just massive. Even then, the north to south distance we're talking about is, is it's unfathomable for the, the It's not the a times. thing you march. Right. No, it just isn't. It's it. That's the navy was so important, and the French bringing their ships to harass British ships is that's that was what a was big needed. deal. Yeah. It was a big deal, and you didn't have to really have a huge victory at sea. You just had to keep them out of the ports a little bit. Right. And just if you could sink a chance. few transport ships of troops, that's pretty major. Yeah. Or if you can keep them from getting there for an extra two weeks or whatever. You have huge impact on the battlefield. So, I like that, Robert. Good job. 1775, the year of audacity. Yep. 
Ades. Ades. Toujours Ades. So uh, let's wrap this one up. That was really, really, really good stuff. Yes. Really good stuff. Uh, covered what we wanted. I put a little bit of scaffolding up, and the guys filled it in. It was terrific. Yep. Yep, it was a good episode. I loved uh, talking about the revolution. It, it, it is awesome. And we still have more to go. We have more to go. So, Francis, what is next, buddy? Well, we're going to go into uh, Code of Honor. And we're going to, and this was kind of, it's we're tying it to revolutionary figures, but in a loose way. So it's kind of, you never know where we're going to go with this. But we're going to kind of try to stick with some of the concepts uh, of audacity and things uh, moving forward. I think I'm going to captain that. So we might uh, see where that's going to take us next episode. So be here. Hope you enjoyed another pointless discussion of eternal questions. Remember, new episodes drop every second and fourth Friday at 6 a.m. Eastern. Spread the word. We're on all the major podcast platforms. And leave us a review. That helps others find us. We're on Instagram, Twitter, as well as our website, snakesandotters.com. I'm Martin. And I'm Robert. And I'm Francis. Join us next time.